know yourself whenever you go in and you have meetings with teachers or whatever all schools have that same kind of smell yes. as soon as you smell <laughs> that that kind of thing you think oh my gosh I'm back to hiding and not wanting to go and do PE yeah absolutely <laughs> Hello, you're very welcome to the Parentline podcast. I'm your host, Kerry McLean. I'm a broadcaster, a Parentline ambassador, and I'm a mum of three. And this is the podcast where we talk all things parenting, both the joys and the challenges along the way, wherever you are on your parenting journey. It's hard to believe that we're already here. We're at the start of September. A brand new year of school is just kicking off again. And of course, it can be a really busy, really exciting time for the children and for parents alike. But there can also be so many worries and challenges that present themselves and never more so than this year. After all we've gone through, after an incredibly unsettled previous year that the kids had at school. And I know that I, as a parent, have got lots of concerns and questions. I know you're bound to as well. So it's great to have Kathy here from Parentline and I to have a natter with about all things back to school. How are you, Kathy? I'm fine. Thanks, Karen. Thank you for that lovely welcome. Yes, I would absolutely agree with you. You know, we've all had a bit of a time of it. And I, I think most of us now feel as if we have the opportunity for a fresh start. And, you know, we use the word normal a lot, but no, I think this is a fresh start and this is a new start and the chance to get back to some familiar routines and familiar patterns again, which will be lovely for most of us. A fresh start is a lovely way to look at it, you know, not to think of change, because that word change by itself can unsettle you as a parent, can't it? You know, whenever you're coming up to the end of August and you're about to start all over again and you think, no, no, we've just got into this nice summer holiday pattern and here we go again. Yes, I think you're right. And I think there will be a legacy of, you know, maybe the homeschooling that was maybe difficult at times. And you think, oh, you know, we're back to school again with different sorts of challenges this time. And uh, I think it's just for parents to take stock of where they are themselves. And if if mummy and daddy and carers and grandparents are rock solid and steady and optimistic and uh, positive then I think that's where the children are going to follow I can't even think about the words homeschooling again I can't, <laughs> I can't go there for for at least another year or so but you've you're talking to me on the perfect day today Kathy because I have just sent my two eldest out the door today they're off starting back at school and I think that they are coping with that return possibly a bit better than I am or maybe they're just hiding it better because I do feel a bit anxious every year whenever my my kids go off to school and they're starting in a new year all of those thoughts about well, do you know what it is? It's the fact that you can control it for them. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That always is hanging over my head where I would love to be going in there, sitting beside them and holding their hand to make sure that everything's okay. Oh, very much so. And I think, you know, children here are lucky to come from a, a loving home will, you know, have benefited from the security and the the life lessons and the balance and the love and everything that you have provided for them. So you will be sort of still with them in a way because they'll have, you know, been able to go forward with all of those skills that you've provided them with. But as a parent, it it is very difficult to hand over the charge and the well-being of the most precious person to somebody else. And I think schools very, very much appreciate that. 
And particularly now, having been where we've been, I think schools are very much um, driven now by the emotional well-being of their children and young people. And, you know, if children aren't emotionally settled, they're not going to be able to learn properly. So schools, I think, will be doing even more this year than usual to help children and especially little ones feel very settled and comfortable. And I think there'll be a lot of work on well-being and feelings before they even begin to start thinking about the educational part of it. And as a parent, I mean, you can send three kids out the door and have three completely different reactions from the kids as they head out and get into the car with their new shoes and their school bags. You know, what can you do if, you know, it's great if you've got a child there who's absolutely happy, delighted to be going in, seeing their friends, excited about New Year. But what can you do if, you know, you're holding a wee clammy hand and they're giving you that look that kind of says, mommy, I'm a bit nervous and anxious about this. What should you be doing to make it easier for the kids? I think on the on the build up to going back to school and, you know, when they have just gone back to school, it's working on how they feel about themselves. So if you can be gently introducing even new activities in your own home, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, something that's really out of their comfort zone. But if they can be having new experiences, if they can be building the idea themselves that I can do this because I've done that already. That is building their own resilience and that will give them the confidence to start making these transitions. But when it comes to it, if you do have that gorgeous little face and mommy, I really don't want to do this. And you think, yeah, I don't want you to do it either, but you have to. (laughs) Then it's steadying yourself. You know, if your child feels that you are anxious about sending them to school, then that could feed into, well, mummy's not happy about this either. So there must really be something to worry about. So if mummy or daddy are absolutely lovingly reassuring, but firm and absolutely convinced that this is going to be okay, then that can go a long way to convincing your child that, well, if mummy says it's all right, then, you know, maybe I can do this and it's trying to get some sort of like a secret code or a link or something so that your child feels connected to you all the time that they're in school maybe working out uh, a goodbye routine that you can practice on the days before school so it could be as simple or as complicated as your imagination likes it to be But if your child is prepared for the familiar goodbye routine and then the next step is that they go into school and there's no hanging around at the school gate. Not that we can do that now anyway, but there's no hanging around and mummy is sure and certain. Um, Sometimes children feel, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do when I'm at school? Because I'm not there to look after you. So it's making sure that your child knows that you're going to go home and you're going to, you know, go to work or you're going to meet your friends or you're going to make the beds or take the dog for a walk. So your child has an idea of what's going on with you so that it's not all as mummy sitting there and she's still worried about me. So it can work both ways with your child knowing what your plans are for the day and then having something nice to look forward to at the end of school time. It's nice. I like the idea of having that sort of 
goodbye routine, you know, to kind of make the two of you feel a bit more mm-hmm. like this is okay. You know, we can go through this. I remember mm-hmm. sending my youngest off. They all went to a little nursery school nearby me and with each and every one for maybe the first month when they were there there was a little um step that was at the emergency exit and mm-hmm. I used to go and, and plunk myself down on the step so that I could put my ear up against the emergency <laughs> exit oh, just to make sure that I couldn't hear my children crying and of course oh. they had no interest as soon as they were in it was like mommy hey as soon as they were at the war <laughs> the war table or the sand table you know they absolutely loved that but you said there about you know, standing at the school gate. And I do think that's one thing we're all going to really miss this year because mm-hmm. before, whenever you had any concerns or thoughts about school, or I'm being totally honest here, about about the school or about teachers in the school, about anything like that, you could have stood at the school gates, you could have got to know the other parents and you could have had a bit of a natter and maybe allayed your fears or had, you know, other people saying, yeah, actually, I'm a bit concerned about that as well. Joined forces, you know, got a lot of strength from other parents. And I mm-hmm. do feel sorry for parents who maybe are starting off in P1 this year and they're not going to maybe get the opportunity to build up those relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, the schools will be very aware of that. You know, the schools want this to work for parents as much as they want us to work for children. So I think there will be sort of social network opportunities if we can't sort of spend time at the school gate. So I think it's it's maybe a little bit more effort for parents, but it is trying to find out where those connections can be made, where that communication can be made easier, whether it's, you know, permission from the school to share, you know, telephone numbers or, you know, email addresses or anything. But I, I think the schools will be trying to facilitate that. I know that my youngest, her school were great last year, even in terms of at Christmas time, whenever we got as far as Christmas and we wanted to do all of the Christmas cards that you do in P1 for everybody Mm -hmm. else in the class. They were great at, you know, even giving out a list of all of the names of all of the kids, you know, not the surnames, but all the first names so that you could write out the cards. You know, simple things like that, but just to have that sort of community connection that you get within a class. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. And I think that's the wonderful thing about children going back to school this year, that those social skills will just be you know, being regenerated again, you know, if school children are pack animals, basically. So they, you know, if you imagine the rough and tumble of all children together, you know, certainly that is a very, very important part of this. And the parents really benefit from that as well. 100%. Now, if you have got concerns with the school or you have got concerns Sorry, I'll say that again. If you have got concerns that you think, actually, I need a bit more help with this, what is the best thing to do? How should you should you approach the school? Should you approach somebody outside of it? I mean, what? where do you start? Because sometimes even knowing where to put your first foot, you know, that first step mm-hmm. to get help can be a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's talking to maybe your partner or your family and or maybe parent line and saying, look, you know, am I getting this right? You know, what what is my balance here? You know, help me with my sense of proportion here. And then the bottom line is trusting your instinct because you will always know more about your child than anybody else does. So it's trusting that gut instinct. If you feel that something needs to change or something else needs to happen, it's going with that. So maybe take as long as you can to think about it, 
get your plans straight, make a list of the things that you're concerned about, try and have something positive to suggest for the school. And then your first sort of um, level of uh, contact then would be with your child's immediate teacher. And then all schools will have procedures and protocols. So then it's following if you don't feel that you've been heard by the teacher, if nothing's changed, then it's going through to the next level. So it could be uh, a form teacher, it could be the vice principal, it could be whoever's in charge of pastoral care. So it's trying to start small rather than go straight to the top. Because if you are following the school procedures, then it's easier for them to facilitate whatever it is that you need. But it is trying to be as calm and as organised and prepared before you start so that you're helping the school to help you. I think that's a great first step is to talk to those around you because sometimes, you know, we can focus in too intently on one thing and think, oh my gosh, this is like a a huge issue, a huge problem for my Mm -hmm. child. And just talking to somebody else who's maybe just one step away from from Mm -hmm. that situation can kind of go, no, this is okay. You know, give it a a week or two, things might settle down, things might Mm -hmm. be okay. But if there are concerns that you have there about things like academic or social development, would you recommend the same strategy then, small steps and and starting off with the school? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, And the schools will have what are called SENCOs. So those are special educational needs coordinators. And so schools will have those and they will also have pastoral care officers. So when they work together with the parents and the teachers, then it's usually the best outcome for children. Um, This can progress then to needing maybe an educational welfare officer because maybe the attendance is poor or there's something going on. And the other thing could be the educational psychiatrists, psychologists as well. And they will all be there providing as much support as they can so that the child gets the best, just the best out of their school, their school time and that parents feel supported. That's the thing, isn't it? You want it to be a real time of development and academia, of course, but also enjoyment for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such it's such a big part of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably spend more time in school than at home during the, the school, the school terms. You know, so you want them to, of course, be developing and learning so much, but you also want them to feel happy, you know, and enjoy it. Very much so. And a lot of that will come from how the parents are feeling. And, you know, if a parent is sort of riding the daily emotional school roller coaster with their child, they're maybe not providing the balance. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, if something's going wrong at school or if you feel that there's something that, you know, you need to step in, you know, it's trying to think, well, is this going to help my child or is this something that's maybe pushing a wee button for me? maybe this is a trigger for me and maybe I could trust my child to manage this themselves. You know, maybe if we do some role play at home or if we talk about feelings at home or if we, you know, look at other aspects of emotional development at home, could my child manage this? And that's very, very empowering for a child 
to be able to think, oh, well, I actually did that. Yes, I talked to mummy and daddy or, you know, I talked to my gran or my aunt or somebody, but now I can actually do this myself. So sometimes sort of if we feel triggered as adults and we go in to a school, it can not be the best thing Mm. straight off for the child. It's trying to empower and encourage the child to actually sort that out themselves first, if at all possible. I think you're totally right. Sometimes, I mean, you know yourself, whenever you go in and you have meetings with teachers or whatever, you walk into the school and there's suddenly a little part of you, that school child, inner mm-hmm. inner school mm-hmm. child, that suddenly feels a bit intimidated and maybe a wee yes. bit... I don't know, nervy about, you know, that all schools have that same kind of smell. Yes. And as soon as you smell that, that kind of thing, you think, oh my gosh, I'm back to hiding and not wanting to go and do PE. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all over again. <laughs> so it can be hard, you know, whenever you go in to talk to teachers and things to kind of, I don't know, stand your ground because, mm-hmm. you know, you do have that hangover feeling of, I should be a good girl whenever I'm standing <laughs> here in these corridors. <laughs> as if you still have your gym shoes on and your hair's yes. not right or something. <laughs> um, yes, I think you're right. And I, I think it's trying to get get things straight in your head before you take that first step so that you feel absolutely grounded. And sometimes, let's be honest, you have to be your child's advocate. You have to be the one saying, yes, I know you have 30 other children in the class, but this is my child. Yeah. And this is what I feel would really help him. So if we could look to do maybe this and this, I know that really helps them at home. Could you be doing that in school, please? Those sort of positive, useful suggestions can be much more rewarding uh, in the long run than saying, well, look here, mate, you know, this isn't going right and what are you going to do about it? Everybody is going to work with you much more easily if they don't feel that they have to be defensive. We'll be back in just a minute after this short message from the ParentLine team. ParentLine NI is a free confidential service offering advice, support and guidance on any parenting matter. If you would like some support with any of the issues raised in today's podcast or any other parenting issue, please call the ParentLine team today on free phone 0808 8020 400 or check out our Facebook page for more information. Now... On with the show. So I guess one of the big things that kind of hangs over parents and children alike as we're starting into a new school year, a new school term, is that anxiety that we all have to deal with. You know, in terms of a parent, it's the anxiety of of letting go of your little one's hand as they walk in through the school gates, not knowing what's going to happen, if they're going to be happy. In terms of the kids, they might be anxious about what's coming their way. They don't know what new things they're going to have to tackle, whether it be educationally or in terms of who's in the class and the dynamics in there. So it can be a really anxious time for the entire family, can't it? It can certainly be an anxious time. And a lot of anxiety comes from feeling that you don't know stuff. So Knowledge is really, really important when it comes to coping with anxiety. So it's trying to make the unfamiliar familiar and the unpredictable a bit more predictable. So visuals can be great for little ones um, and not so little ones. We have charts around the house. So make it visual first. So what are they going to 
experience. So it's what does the uniform look like? It's maybe trying the uniform on. It's driving past the school and asking your child what they know already. So rather than sort of feeding them full of what you think they need to know, it's starting by empowering them because they can tell you what they know already. And if it's a return to school rather than starting school fresh, it's for what do you think is going to be the same? What do you think might have changed? Um, who do you think your teacher is going to be? And then working with the school to maybe meet the teachers. I know a lot of young children are meeting teachers for the first time this week, which is just adorable. So it's trying to make sure that your child feels that they have knowledge already and then you're building on that. With older children and maybe the anxiety has risen to the level where they really don't want to go back to school and maybe school refusal is a real possibility in your family then it's trying to think well what is the reason for school refusal you know children don't just wake up one morning and decide they're not going back to school so it's looking at whether this is an emotional issue maybe there has been a loss in the family maybe there's been separation maybe there's been you know real huge turmoil in the family or even you know something like moving house so is that What's setting, you know, the anxiety off? Does the child really need support with those issues? And then they'll feel stronger and more able to go to school. Or is it something that happened when they were last at school? Does that need to be revisited again? You know, are they worried about leaving you at home? Maybe you're not well and the child doesn't want to go to school and feel that you're left on your own. So if there is anything approaching school refusal, it's being very, very careful to find out as close to the exact reason as you can without putting your child under more pressure. Um, it's very rarely that they've just decided not to go. So it's being careful to find out why. And if you've tried your best, that, that just seems like such a hard situation to be in. If you've mm -hmm. tried your best to kind of get to the bottom of it and you're not getting anywhere, then where should your next... Um, stop B, who should you turn to? Again, I would be back to your child's own teacher or form teacher, year teacher, and then the educational welfare officer that's attached to that school can be really useful to help the child to feel supported to go back to school. So maybe that's, you know, going in a bit later to avoid all the crush. Maybe it's going in just for certain classes and they will be able to be alongside the parent as well to make sure that they know, you know, even if it gets sort of to a legal issue, you know, the educational welfare officer will be well versed in all of those just to let the parent know exactly where they stand. But again, communication with the school is absolutely key. And it's that thing of knowing as well that you're not the first person that this has happened to. You know, that welfare officer will have dealt with many families before you. They'll be dealing with many families after you. And this is not just, you know, you're not the only one who is struggling with these hard, hard pressures. Yes, definitely. You will not be the only one. But it does feel 
quite isolating if you're in that situation. I would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's what I was just thinking. I, I, you know, if you try and put yourself in the shoes of somebody going through that, that would feel so difficult because your heart would go out to your child, but at the same time, you'd kind of want to try to get them back into school and all those things, mm-hmm. you know, must be really hard battling your own feelings about it. Very much so. And I think, you know, talking to parents, you know, we we do come across, you know, different scenarios, you know, where parents are just at the end of the tether. They have tried everything and they are emotionally exhausted. You know, the family's emotionally exhausted. And then if they can get that connection with the school, if they can get the educational welfare officer, if they can get a buddy system up and running for their child, you know, there can be breakthroughs. But if the parent can feel supported and there are lots of supports out there, including ourselves, it can always, always help the child. And I was just thinking that, of course, no better place to start than lifting the phone and talking to somebody at Parentline NI because there's always help at the end of the phone. Always. Yes. And we're here until nine o'clock at night, Monday to Thursday. We're here nine to five on a Friday. We're here nine to one on a Saturday. There's our web chats. There's our Zoom appointments. So there's lots of ways. We've tried to make it as easy as possible for parents to get in touch with us if they need to. And there will be no judgment. There will be no instructions. We will be here to provide emotional support. And even just when you hear yourself talking about something, sometimes you think, ah, right. Yes. Okay. And Usually the most valuable call is when parents say, yes, I sort of knew that all the time. And it's just reassurance for them. And then they can go and do something that feels really right for them and really familiar for them that will help their family. Cathy, I would put money on the fact that a huge proportion of phone calls that Parentline get about kids in schools are to do with bullying Because I think as a parent, that's something that absolutely terrifies me because I don't know how you would start to deal with that. I mean, we've had small instances. You're you're always going to get that. You're only always going to get kids jostling each other for position and all this kind of thing. But uh, luckily, touch wood, you know, I've never had anything really serious to deal with. But I would be a bit stuck. I know if it comes my way because I've had a chat with my teenagers and I, one would say, oh, I'd want you to go in and sort it and stop it, mommy, immediately. The other one, you know, has said to me in the past, if anything happened, that she wouldn't tell me because she knows that I would go in and try <laughs> to stop it immediately. You know, it's that kind of thing there where I think, oh, how would you even begin to know how to address that? Or is every child different? Well, I think you're right. I think every child is different. And I just love the difference between your two. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's just amazing. Um, I I think a huge difference is made depending on the age of your child. You know, if you sense that there's something going on with your child and, you know, maybe they're just a bit more touchy than usual at home or if they're off their food or they don't want to do this and you just think there's something up. I don't know what it is, but there's something up. Then Obviously, you have your parenting radar on. You're going to start very gently investigating, um, not putting them on the spot and doing the whole interrogation thing, but you know, just using the knowledge that you have about your own child, 
using that's, that. That's so hard to do, Kathy. You know that because you want to just push and get the answer, and and it's that kind of thing. I want to make you happy, so tell me yes. now. Which is exactly you know going to make them go into their shells. But oh. it's hard not to do that as a parent. It's very difficult. I, I think with parenting, you know, when our children are very small, we tend to be able to fix everything, and part of the parenting journey is allowing your child to learn to do things for themselves and learn to manage situations and the life skills for themselves. And I, I think, that bit, to be honest, it's that bit of the journey. It is. It's, it's <laughs> one of the most difficult things. And, you know, as, as parents, we just want to keep them safe and we want to, you know, we don't want anybody to hurt them. But if we keep doing that all the time, then our children don't become independent and self-reliant and you know, courageous, you know. So it's, it is, I would say, the hardest part of parenting is just stepping back. So when we're talking about bullying, it's realising, first of all, that there could be something going on. And then if you do get to a little bit further into the story, and there is bullying going on, it's, okay, what, what can we do that doesn't involve anybody else at the moment? So can we work on the resilience again, you know, maybe being put in charge of something at home, um, whether that's, you know, feeding the dog or sorting the laundry or, you know, taking granny shopping, whatever it's going to be, depending on the age of the child. So it's trying to build up that resilience again so that they're in a better sort of um, confidence place to deal with something. But really, if it comes down to it, and bullying can be the most insidious, damaging, horrible, yeah, horrible, horrible thing for children to go through when they're sort of trying to develop their environment and they're trying to learn who to trust and who not to trust. And it's quite possibly, you know, they're being very, very generous with their time. They're trying to play with other children and they're being knocked back for no good reason. And it's just really sore. And as a parent, to know that your child is coping with that is horrendous. But it's separating your feelings from your child's feelings so that with the emotional strength and the insight that you have, you can be a bit more of a balance. And then it is approaching the school and saying, look, you know, I think this is what's going on. Could you keep an eye? So that would be your first level. And then if you feel that the school is not doing everything that's necessary, then you do take it further up the school. Every school will have an anti-bullying policy. So it's following that. You will always get that online from your child's school it's following that and then taking it as far as you need to but it's trying to make sure that your child does not feel swept along in that process Mm. that you are engaging with them and I you know I do understand it's it's probably really really hard for schools to deal with things I think especially 
especially for schools once they're post-primary, because in, in primary schools, when they're in the same class all the time and the teacher's there and they're seeing the mm. same kids all the time, they can. I'm sure a lot of teachers in primary schools pick up things and have it dealt with before you even hear about anything coming yes. back home, you know. Yeah. But whenever they get to the post-primary stage, you know, that I think that's my concern as a parent is how do they start to cope with that whenever it's different teachers for different classes? What's happening in between classes when kids are going from one classroom to another? You know, it's like that thing that preys on your mind, isn't it? It, it is indeed. And I think that's where year heads or form teachers come into their own because they will be the constant for your child going through school. And then schools should have a pastoral care officer as well. So that would be an option for them and an option for you to to get in touch with them. And I think the difficulty now, there are so many benefits with social media, but I think bullying can be quite intrusive now. You know, before you would think, yes, it might have been difficult at school, it might have been difficult on the bus or the walk through the park, but they're home now, so they're okay. Yeah, so they're happy once they're home, yeah. but now they no. can be reached 24-7. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the very difficult part of this. And it's keeping your relationship and your communication with your child at the stage where they still feel that they can come to you and they're still going to talk to you. Now, this is sort of hearts and flowers, perfect world stuff. Mm. So if your child is becoming or your teenager is becoming very withdrawn or you notice that there's something going on or you know, you just get that gut instinct again. You know, it's such a powerful thing. And please never, ever sort of ignore a gut instinct. If you feel there is something going on, then it is being a bit firmer with your investigations and saying if they don't want to talk to you, would it be easier for them to talk to somebody else? You know, would they like to talk to one of the the teenage support agencies could they talk to childline could they talk to a teacher could they talk to great uncle Stephen or something you know is there someone else in their life that they feel they could open up with I'm a great believer in that I'm lucky I come from a huge family Kathy oh, so there's lovely. always you know there's always a cousin that's just a couple of years older that I mm-hmm. you know can drop a wee quick message on social media going here just drop around to our house tonight would you and have a word mm-hmm. with you know a b or c and see what's going on I I, mean, I have done that in the past and it's great they can be that bridge you know Perfect. which is fantastic yeah unfortunately the bridge doesn't quite quite work whenever I'm tackling things like homework because (laughs) (laughs) there's nobody in between me and the kids whenever it comes to telling them right you have to sit down you have to get homework done we will we had a problem last year in that one of my kids was telling me oh yeah I'm doing all this homework and getting all the homework done Mm -hmm. and of course there was no homework being done at all (laughs) in the rooms and because the kids weren't in school because everything was betwixt and between we had got really behind on homeworks I got a phone call to say um yeah there should have been something like you know 60 homeworks done and there was one handed in and I know that I'm not alone in this because I've talked about this with other parents I'm friendly with and I know lots of people had the same kind of thing you know the online thing allowed a lot of homeworks and work to kind of slide down Mm -hmm. the back of the sofa never to be seen again Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So we're starting anew this year with homeworks. And I have said to the kids, now you have to sit in the dining room at the table where I can keep my eye on you Mm -hmm. to see what you're up to. But it is one of those things. I mean, that's what we're planning to do. Whether that works or not, I haven't a clue. Mm -hmm. But what would you suggest, Kathy? What do you think in terms of keeping homework going for a start (laughs) and making it successful and not not a big fight every night you know Mm -hmm. and I think homeschooling and homework it's been so so difficult for parents and there are parents who have just tortured themselves oh it's been horrific yeah (laughs) themselves under so much pressure and the kids you know you can have kids that are great and they'll head off and they'll do everything on their own and you never have to ask twice and then there are ones where literally it feels you have to drag their finger onto the keyboard to hit Mm -hmm. every single you know letter Mm -hmm. on the keyboard it's been hard going yeah it's very hard going and I think you know there are some children out there who you know, it's trying to get the balance, you know, usually with homeworks, we're talking about how do you get them to do homework? But there are children out there who study far too much, you know, and we're trying to get the balance for those children as well. You know, enough is enough, you know, give yourself a break and give yourself a balance. And I think with homework with older ones, it could be one of those life lessons again, because how much of this homework is the parent's responsibility? And how much of this homework is your, maybe your teenager's responsibility? So if there are repercussions in school for not doing the homework, you know, if your child feels that they're falling behind in school because not doing the homework, that's, that's where the consequences are. And if those consequences are followed through by school, then that's where your child's learning is going to be. So it's deciding just how much of this as the parent of, a, of an older child and of a teenager, that is, is your responsibility. So is it more important for you to keep your home a haven and encourage and suggest as much as you can, but not micromanage? So is that the position you need to take or does your child need a lot more support because they're a lot younger and in that one, it's making sure that you don't spend too long on homeworks. You know, we've heard so many times at Parent Line of, you know, little ones trying to do spellings or something and, you know, they're upside down in the chair. You know, they're absolutely nowhere near absorbing the information. But, you know, it's taken three hours and yeah. they're, you know, they're still primary school. So it's trying to get the balance right, because if that is a sort of, tried and tested path at home then the mention of homework and the shutters come down so it's trying to get ways of balancing the time for little ones so even use an old-fashioned egg timer get the timer on your phone have an alarm going off so maybe after 10 minutes then there's a break and after another 10 minutes then there's a break ask your child when they want to do it which is probably never but (laughs) then if they have a choice between doing it now or doing it then it gives them that little sense of control rather than having been in a bit of a pressure cooker in school where you've parented them so well and they've behaved so well and they've listened to the teacher and they've learned and they've done all that socializing stuff and their wee heads are full and they come home and then it's another pressure and it's another you have to or it's another you know get this done and then you can so it's trying to make sure that they have that gap between home and school, whether it's, you know, kicking off in the park or, 
you know, milk and cookie on the doorstep, whatever it is, just to make that break, give them a chance to blow off steam and get all that fidget out and then try to settle into a homework, but make sure that it's not too long for little ones. I feel really guilty saying this, but I, you know, there are times whenever it comes to homework where I know I've let my kids finish earlier than they should have, or maybe not complete full things. But there's nothing worse than whenever you're maybe still working, you're getting the dinner made, Mm -hmm. you've got three of them around the table, you're trying to fight two of them at least into getting their work done. Oh dear. And, you know, you can feel your pressure. You know, it's like in behind your eyes, you're like, oh, my head's going to explode trying to cope with all this. Mm -hmm. And then I have in the past got to the stage where I've just gone, do you know what? Just that'll do. That'll Mm -hmm. do. Because I've thought to myself, they're getting worked up. I'm getting worked up. And we're just going to, you know, this isn't going to go anywhere nice. So we're just Mm going to, you know, stop here and maybe maybe even try in the morning over breakfast to do a wee tiny bit more. But, you know, I do feel guilty about that. But whenever I've then the next day, whenever I've calmed down, I've thought to myself, why did I not? Why did I get let myself get so cross or get so worked up or so pressurized at that stage? And it's such a, a sore story, but it's such a common story. And I think it's realizing that that's the pressure you feel under and realizing the pressures that your children feel under and think, do you know what? Our relationship at home, the communication that we have, home is a haven, if at all possible, that's the most important thing. So if it's getting to the stage where everybody is just losing it and cracking up, then it's it's maybe having pizza on the floor in front of the television or it's, yeah. it's just doing something so that you can all reconnect again. And Or maybe for teenagers, it's heading off to their own rooms and being on their <laughs> own and just disappearing into the cave. But it's trying to do something that's going to reconnect you. Yeah, if things have got to that stress, yeah. I'm a great believer in movie nights. Movie nights can cure all, Kathy. Popcorn Absolutely. is a wonderful medication. <laughs> oh, wonderful idea. Yeah. But, you know, homework for little ones can be stressful. Homework mm-hmm. for teenagers, I think, can be doubly so because there seems to be so much of it. At a very young mm-hmm. age now, I think they get a lot heaped on their shoulders about the amount of hours they have to do once they come home from, mm-hmm. from school. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a conversation, A, to have with your child and B, to have with the teacher. If you really genuinely feel that this is putting too much pressure on your child, then it's coming to an agreement with the teacher. And usually the teachers would like some work completed properly than, you know, most of the work completed badly. And if you can come to an agreement with the teachers and it's back to that relationship that you build at the beginning of the school year, you know, if the teacher knows that you are genuinely involved with the school life of your child and the education of your child, and generally at home and genuinely at home, you are doing everything you can, then this, the teachers will be very keen to keep you on board and will be doing whatever they can to meet you halfway if there's an issue with something like homeworks. So it's that kind of thing where really you want to be like a bridge between the school and the kids in a lot of ways, I guess. Very much so. Very much so. And as your child gets older, the strength of that bridge can reduce. But when they're little, it's you are definitely a very strong bridge between school and home. Kathy, 
looking across the next few weeks and months to come as we hurtle into the first term, what would you say are your main tips, your main advice for parents and for kids, you know, to keep us all sweet, to keep us all happy together as we we trundle off on the school run? I would think for parents, it's look after yourself first. You know, so often at parent line, we hear, you know, oh, I always put my children first and my children are my priority. And I, you know, and and that's fabulous. But to be honest, if you're not in the right place, then for yourself, then you're not in the right place for your children either. And they need you to be as well as you can be, to be as mentally and physically as well as you can be. And that is going to be their starting point. If you are going to go into any aspect of the new school year or any aspect of parenting, highly stressed, highly anxious, really off balance to start with, then the slightest thing is going to knock you off your socks. You know, you really need to be looking to yourself first. And we talk an awful lot about self-care these days, but it's really making sure that you don't feel guilty about taking that 10 minutes every day for yourself just to do something that isn't going to benefit anybody else, but it's going to make you feel better. And more than 10 minutes, if you can imagine it, you know, we can't all go away to a spa for the weekend, but we can all take time to read a book or have a cup of tea or, you know, walk in the garden with your shoes off or go down to the local park, whatever it takes just to get yourself calmer and more settled. You'll be in the best place to help your children. Wouldn't that be lovely if we could all head off to the spa together? Oh, wouldn't it just? <laughs> could you not organise a big bus, Cathy, and we could all pile oh, on? <laughs> I, and I know lots of people would love to join us. Oh, <laughs> anything to do that. That would be just wonderful. Yes. That's what schools should do. They should have a, a big bus waiting at the at the school gates. You know, as the kids march in for their first day, all the mums and dads up onto the bus and away for a spa day. Oh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> so if you can't do that, decide what you can do. You know, it's and with, you know, when we're talking about anxiety or something, it's, you know, yes, the school year is huge and there's so much to it and it's going to be so difficult. And there's so many things that we have to learn and so many things that are going to be new. But you don't need to control all of that right now. You just need to think, OK, yeah, we need school uniforms. Yes, might need the old pencil or two, whatever else. So it's trying to manage what you actually need to do right now what you can control right now and that's going to be something that your child will pick up so they won't worry about the whole world the universe and everybody in it they will just make plans to overcome what they have to overcome today and they'll have the energy to do that today you know it's when we look too far back or too far forward that we all run out of energy so it's trying to think of okay what, what do I need to do today? I think that's a fantastic tip. You mentioned there about school uniforms. That, I think, is, <laughs> is a huge, but I do think that's a huge issue for a lot of parents, not only in terms of the financial outlay. I mean, mm-hmm. my goodness, this month, I, I actually stopped adding whenever I got to like over £300. Oh, my word. 
honestly, in terms of uniforms, school shoes, why do school shoes cost so much? Why do they cost mm-hmm. more than any other schools at any other mm-hmm. time? I spend more on my kids' shoes than I spend on my own shoes. What yes. is that about? It's insane. It's you know, so unfair. It's so unfair. There, there has to be a cheaper way to get kids dressed and mm-hmm. out to schools. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of schools are doing, you know, um, sort of new to you uniforms, which is a wonderful idea, because when you think of how our children are shooting up during these years, you know, you might get three months out of a skirt or something. (laughs) And um, so I think those uh, initiatives are great. And the other school uniform initiative, which is super at the moment, is um, a lot of school uniforms are being made for children with um, sensory needs. So you'll get socks with no seams on them. You'll get polo shirts with no labels and scratchy bits at the back. So if any parents out there um, have a little one who's a little bit more sensitive, then those could be a good option. I know I cut all the labels out of my own clothes, so I would be going for those too. (laughs) I've never heard of that. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Speaking to somebody who sits with a pair of nail scissors to cut out all of the labels out of all of my daughter's clothes. That's fantastic. I'm going to hunt those down. Yeah. And certainly if if you come through to Parent Line, we can sort of put you in touch with those as well. But um, it's something that has maybe been going for a while, but it's, it's just come to my knowledge today. So, oh, excellent. Um, that's that's fantastic. I haven't heard that anywhere else. So we, are, we are breaking all this incredible news and advice here. You can't get it anywhere else, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> well worth looking out for. I would just wish they did them in grown-up sizes. <laughs> we can stretch them, Kathy. We can stretch that's the tops out for you. Kathy, listen, thank you so much. Thank you for all oh, of your tips, welcome. all of your advice, all of your help. And just making me feel not atrocious for being one of those parents who say, put away your homework books. I've had enough. I can't oh, do it anymore. No. I appreciate that. <laughs> no. Thank you. You're a mummy first. First and foremost. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and that's what your children need you to be. And I love the idea first. that home is a haven. That's, I think, uh, one of the things I'm going to take away from, with, from mm-hmm. this chat with you today. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Lovely talking to you. Cheers, you too. Bye.